That's right. Ah, uh, Monday Night Raw podcast from the shadows. That is black. Doing another thing. WWA. Ray Rubble Fallout, baby. They're not forever. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Monday Night Raw. Blake here. So, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. The WrestleMania sign looks amazing this year. I, I like the little, you know, the sunset. Like, it always has the sun behind it. But uh, last year it was like greenish and such like that. But either way, I like the I like the feel on it this year. It looks a little bit uh, it, it feels like a return to uh, uh, what we've had, you know, in a way, in the new era. Either way, uh, Royal Rumble winner Seth frickin' Rollins comes out, and he's you know excited about being a champion. The Arizona crowd is on fire. Uh, he's coming off the heels of the Royal Rumble last night on the network. And it is, uh, it's electric in the building, you know, they're chanting, and Seth speaks on how he has to uh, pretty much make a decision at this point whether it's going to be the new Daniel Bryan or uh, the beast Brock Lesnar that he'll take on in a main event of WrestleMania. Uh, So, we're going to find out who he's going to choose. You know, he was very, uh, very happy. You know, you can see that uh, WWE makes dreams come true. You know, like, one of the moments where I recognized that was Nia Jax winning the championship at WrestleMania last year. And it was after a fair road to get there. And, you know, you go back on Breaking Ground, where you go back to WWE Network and watch Breaking Ground, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But WWE definitely does their best to make dreams come true after an amount of hard work, per se. So, Seth Rollins put in his work. And one of his dreams was to always point at the Mania sign, but not just point at it. He wanted to take the photo. I mean, take the photo. He wanted to actually be in a main event. Like, he wants his point to mean something, and it did. But once he got that out of the way, he was uh, interrupted by our COO, Triple H. So let's see what uh, H has to say. So Triple H comes out and literally... Uh, is surrounded with chants of NXT from the crowd. This is, of course, grown to be a norm, but we know this is uh, NXT is his baby, and the superstars over at NXT really, really put on good shows. The main roster is completely, completely different, but uh, you know, right now in the new era, I have a great deal of faith in what they're going to be able to do with the superstars that come up. Even though right now. You know, the transition period is still, you know, being tweaked and altered in a way. I think so far, the NXT call-ups thus far, the guys that have come over to the main product have been, you know, featured fairly, you know, with with the time given and all of the things that make the main roster different from NXT. Regardless, Triple H came out to all of those chants of NXT, you know, got emotional with Seth because, uh, you know, at a time, Triple H was in the same position, you know, hungry and had his claws out and sharpened, ready to main event WrestleMania. And we all know the game has no need for an introduction. We all know what he's done and accomplished in WWE. So, you know, we all know that most of this is scripted. But that one, you know, he is, you know, one of the, he's one of the bosses, so he could go ahead and jump off 
uh, real fast, but he was emotional, and this this gives to the Arizona crowd because they, you know, they they're the ones that have to be receptive to it, as do all of us in the WWE universe. But yeah, I know the Takeover show was good, and you know, coming off the heels of that last Saturday, you know, they're still uh, much elated to, uh, you know, see one of Triple H's uh, uh, at a time upstart, you know. I mean, and it's a very beautiful moment in the ring. Triple H lets Seth Rollins know that he has to make a decision tonight, about the end of the night, and it's uh, it, the crowd is totally behind the idea of Seth Rollins taking on Brock Lesnar. So Seth Rollins seemingly is getting ready to make his decision, and uh, Dean Ambrose interrupts. So let's see what the moral compass has to say. So Dean comes out seemingly attempting to steal the spotlight, says uh, Michael Cole on commentary, but he comes out and he, you know, I guess shares with Seth that he's proud of him, but then tells him that he would hate to break up the little father-son thing they had going, but it's making him sick. He uh, goes on to remind Seth of when they were on the road and you know, $500 beat up car, well, excuse me, beat up cars, uh, you know, performing for $500. You know, Triple H was one of the people that didn't believe in him. So he went on with a few more examples, and excuse me, in that, and uh, Triple H, you know, interrupts him and says, well, shit, says that, uh, you know, you're saying this, but you're the same guy that, you know, used Roman you know, you turned on your brother the same night Roman retired. Well, you know, took a hiatus and all the rest of that. You know, like, it makes sense. So Dino goes on to basically ask for a match with Seth because even though, uh, you know, he's going to WrestleMania and hopefully he beats, you know, whichever champion he chooses, he still can't beat him. Like, Dean Ambrose is saying this to Seth and Triple H. Seth is ready to go and uh, he... Dean is ready to go, but Triple H ignores it, steps out of the ring, and Dean follows him halfway uh, through the ropes, and he says that, uh, uh, can't do it now, you gotta wait for your, for your dad, for your father-in-law, and, you know, the crowd was into it, and it was gauging a huge reaction, and Triple H, uh, and this is what I think the main point of the segment was, but Triple H has the power to make the matches without necessarily uh, needing to, you know, go in the back and go through the politics of it all. So, next up, we got Seth taking on Dean, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and this is what's opening up Monday Night Raw. So, Seth and Dean have their match, you know, very good match, back and forth, reversals between two, everybody knows each other's moves, you know, commentary was a call on the match, very uh, fairly, a lot of, uh, it, it was a little bit, of, I want to say dissension, but uh, slight disagreements between Renee Young being uh, slightly biased, and that's outside of storyline. But either way, uh, Dirty Deeds reversed into a ripcord knee uh, from Seth Rollins to Dean Ambrose. Gave Seth the opener for the stomp, and he picks up the 1-2-3 victory. So uh, we know Dean was able to show that he had Seth's number before, but in a match like this, it shows that, you know, Seth is unfazed by winning and he's completely focused on who he's going to choose uh, before the end of the night uh, as far as his WrestleMania opponent goes. So he beat Dean clean and he looks, uh, you know, looks strong, looks strong. So 
Let's uh, see uh, what comes up in the next segment. After Dean's lost, he, you know, he was visibly upset, said Michael Cole, but he was still in the ring. Long after, you know, Seth went on to the back, I guess, to, you know, uh, get his downtime after the match and, and relish in the victory. So, uh, he's still sitting in the ring and he has a chair and a microphone and he's getting ready to, you know, share with the WWE Universe, uh, you know, something. And Nia Jax interrupts him. Uh, apparently, it was time for her and Tamina's scheduled tag team match against Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. Uh, this is a qualifying match for the, you know, the Elimination Chamber tag, women's tag team match. Uh, it's going to decide who the women's champion, what the women's tag team champions are going to be, the first ever ones at that. So uh, Nia Jax gets into the ring and, and she starts uh, talking real, real slick to Dean Ambrose. And we all see this is the, you know, uh, idea they're trying to mesh into the product of uh, intergender matches becoming a thing again. And, you know, I, I like the idea. I don't. Of course, we know that everyone's professional. We're not going to see anybody truly get hurt, but it's done all over the uh, wrestling community. So why wouldn't we bring that back to sports entertainment, you know? So with that, uh, Nia, Nia Jax, after Tamina begins to distract Dean Ambrose, uh, attacks him from behind, and uh, the, a bunch of officials come to the ring, thank goodness. So... Dean gets out of the ring and he's uh, walking off very upsettedly. But let's get into the women's tag team match between Nia Jax, Tamina, Alexa Bliss, and Mickey James. It was a real cool tag team match between uh, the four women. You know, Alexa Bliss and Mickey James were a tag team a long time ago on uh, SmackDown Live when uh, Mickey James made her return as, uh, oh man, La Luchadora? Was that her name? But. Either way, her and Alexa Bliss have had uh, on and offs as an uh, odd couple at times, you know. So uh, uh, those two went up against Nia Jax and Tamina. Nia Jax and Tamina were able to pick up the win off of a giant uh, double Samoan drop. And Nia Jax even squatted the both of them. That's, uh, um, it was it was pretty cool, you know, Nia Jax's looking, I, I said put respect on the name, you know, and we seeing greatness and much improvement from her each and every week so her and Tamina have been a little bit more of a team you know for a while now so they've been they've gelled a little bit more they know when to make the tags and such like that so they were able to pick up the victory here and they officially qualify for the women's tag team elimination chamber match for the women's tag team championship so we go backstage uh, for an interview with uh, Dasha the Chameleon, Fuente says, I couldn't even see her this time, but we knew she was there. It was pretty hilarious. But um, she's interviewing Kurt Angle, asking him about his matchup that he's going to have tonight with Baron Corbin. And uh, Kurt Angle speaks on how long he's been waiting to have the match. And we all know what took place uh, back when Kurt Angle was the GM of Monday Night Raw and how he had to go on a, a permanent vacation. And, or, you know, Baron Corbin installed himself, well, got not, well, Stephanie McMahon installed him in the power, but either way, we all know, we all know that story at this point. And if you did, and I'm pretty sure those episodes might just be up on the WWE Network on uh, 
one of the, I think it's the Raw Rewind or something like that. I'm not too sure. Either way, uh, Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle uh, end up having their match. And it's funny, we know Baron Corbin picked up, I believe it was two wins over Elias in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and, uh, and tonight he goes up against Kurt Angle and they have a very cool match. But ultimately, Kurt Angle, uh, we're going to get into him in a second, but he went for the angle slam and Baron Corbin was able to kick out of it. That's that's not, that, you know, it's a signature maneuver. We had credit to Royal Rumble last night and he didn't really have the greatest showing. You know, we know that he uh, took a loss to Drew McIntyre, but he's more focused on having his match with Baron Corbin. But I think right now the angle with uh, Kurt Angle is that he's, you know, he's, he's washed, not want to say washed up, you know, but he he's had his time, you know, and it might be time for him to really, you know, retire, retire. So we might be able to get one last match. And that was what Baron Corbin was saying to him at the beginning of the match. But, you know, fans didn't really want to hear him. If we, I, I'm trying to be as fair as possible, you know, I don't have any ponies, but it is, you know, fairly intriguing because Kurt Angle, you know, he didn't have the greatest showing in the Rumble. He goes at it, and Corbin was able to kick out of the angle slam. Excuse me, he gets his angle slam kicked out of, you know. And uh, he goes for the ankle lock, and Baron Corbin was able to reverse out of it and kick him off, and then he gets pinned to the deep six, you know. The move does look fairly devastating. It is one of the cooler moves on the roster, in my opinion. And Kurt Angle went down to it. We don't necessarily see a lot of people, uh, you know, get pinned off of that move. I think that's cool. Personally, I think that's really cool. I like the, I like the look on the move, and you know, it could be the signature move and the finishing move, because after the match was over, Baron Corbin was going up the ramp, ran back down, and did deliver the finishing maneuver in the days to Kurt Angle. So, you know, in storyline, Kurt Angle is, you know. Looking like the veteran that might need to, you know, go ahead and uh, hang up the boots. You know, I, outside of storyline, I just need to share this because it's what I have heard from the internet about it. But it's, you know, he he likes this idea and he's been really pushing for it. So whoever we see uh, take out somebody like Kurt Angle, it, you know, that being Drew McIntyre and now Baron Corbin, we could probably be seeing... Uh, much greater things from those characters in the future. So that's a good look. But Baron Corbin uh, beats Kurt Angle. That puts Baron three in a row. There you see. So th th these are great things. You know, he might even be in line for a title opportunity down the line. Who knows? I don't know. But, you know, this is well, a championship opportunity. But we'll see. This, uh, we're on the road to WrestleMania. So it, who knows what's going to uh, pop up. So we got Finn backstage coming out uh, to the ring, but he is definitely walking slow after uh, that match he had last night against Brock Lesnar. And when he finally comes to the ring, you know, he couldn't even really uh, do the uh, entrance, you know, with the arms and the light. Well, they had the light cues and the crowd was into it, but they all knew because it was it was really something. You know, Finn did what he could. I spoke about it in... Uh, the recap video or recap podcast of the Royal Rumble uh, last night. So you guys can go back and listen to that if you feel like it just to get my take on it all. 
but um, you know, Finn comes down to the ring and you know he you know shares that he's still he still has his head up and he's not you know not phased by the loss at all. He went in there and made Brock Lesnar believe. So uh, with that outcomes the Intercontinental Champion Bobby Lashley with Leo Rush and you know Leo Rush says that you know it's no surprise that he lost and he should have really never been in there to begin with and, and Finn replies with uh, you lasted longer against Brock than Bobby Lashley did in the Rumble this pissed Bobby Lashley off and he began to beat up on Finn who was already injured and delivers three devastating looking I'd call them spine busters and uh, you know this is just the beginning of uh, well this isn't the beginning of what we've already seen Bobby Lashley capable of. He was a part of the whole trio with Drew McIntyre and uh, Baron Corbin when they shattered Braun's elbow some months back and that, you know, put him, well, some weeks back, well, I guess it was some months back at this point, but, you know, put him out of action for a while. And, you know, he's back to normal now, but it definitely took him out. And it was, you know, something else. So we're moving into that segment now. Let's see what commentary has to share on it. So the revival in the ring next, these guys are going to be in tag team action, taking on uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. And there was a real cool set of replays of when these guys were tag team partners, you know, back in 2008 and stuff. That was that was awesome. You see, I stopped watching around that time, a little being a little younger and uh, just got back a couple of years ago. But. Yeah, well, a few years ago, I think, at this point. But, yeah, that's really, really cool to see that they were a tag team and champions at that. And, you know, it's good to see them back together. So it is a feel-good story. And, you know, them taking on the Revival, I think, would be perfect. You know, Kurt Hawkins in this run has uh, been on nothing but a losing streak to the point where they said they make him an official. But now he, you know, he's in a tag team with Zack Ryder. And how about that? We got Zack Ryder on WWE TV again in 2019. Trust the process. That's obviously what it says. And, you know, stay ready because that's what it's all about. So with that, we're going to get into the tag team match. And uh, don't have a pony in the race. So Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder took them on. And they lost because the Revival are much more well-oiled tag team. They, they're seasoned. They've been together for a long time. And Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder just got back together. So we could see uh, something really interesting from them, you know, in coming weeks and months. But for right now, you know, it's very clear that the Revival got that win. And it was a, a very good win, you know, taking on a, a, a duo of former tag team champions. And now we get to see, uh, you know, these guys, the former tag, tag team champions, you know, begin their climb of the mountain in the new era. So that's really good. I like that one. Let's move on to the next segment. Nice. So we get to the Elias segment. And, you know, he does his thing on the guitar. And he shares with the WWE Universe that he doesn't really want to play any songs for them anymore because they didn't give him the reception that he wanted. You know, so now he's just going to play his songs for himself. And out come... Jeff Jarrett again, well, out comes Jeff Jarrett again, and, you know, he's uh, clearly still upset about what happened at the Royal Rumble, you know, Elias was number one, Jeff Jarrett was number two, 
and Elias sent up, I believe, uh, breaking the guitar over Jeff Jarrett's head. I'm not over his head, though, but he broke the guitar over him. So, you know, after that guitar shot, you know, Jeff Jarrett's still mad. He wants to, you know, come on down and fight Elias, I guess, or get some some form of retribution. And out of nowhere comes Road Dog. You know, that's right, you know, D-Generation X, you know. The New Age Outlaws, really cool. We haven't seen, you know, Road Dog on, you know, TV, TV in a while. So he joined up in the segment. And it was funny because they began to <laughs> perform. And he sang a little song. I guess uh, definitely throwback. It's uh, <laughs> totally, totally funny. But it came down. And, you know, he's taking selfies with the crowd, Road Dog is. And, and Elias gets out the ring, gets tired of well, gets, gets tired of it and gets out the ring and uh, hits Road Dog with the guitar, gets in the ring, and Jeff Jarrett gets a, a nice amount of offense in, but ultimately Elias was able to hit him, with, knock him out with the guitar, let's say that, and, you know, stand strong at the end. So uh, that was a real cool segment. It was funny, <laughs> you know, and, of course, you know, it ends in a form of, uh, somewhat carnage, you know, just just a fun segment. And Elias has come, he's had a couple of losses, so to have him look strong here, you know, over to, you know, solidified legends, you know. Uh, I believe one of them is a Hall of Famer. You know, it was real cool. So moving on, I believe we're going to have the tag team, another women's qualifying match between uh, Lib Morgan and Sarah well, man, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan of the Riot Squad, pardon me, and they be, they're going to be taking on a team of Natty and Dana Brooke, which was supposed to be Ember Moon, but apparently in the storyline, she's been injured, so uh, Dana Brooke is backstage talking with Natty and, and shares with her that she, even though Ember's injured, you know, she's still, want, she's just as good as Ember, and she should, they should still be able to work as a very a cohesive unit, and Natty's, uh, you know, a little reluctant to agree, but Dana Brooke goes on to say, I'm better than Ember, and I'm better than you, what, hey now, I give Natty a very high praise, and you know, we all know who she is, you know, in the ring, so Dana Brooke making a bold claim like that, oh no, that was, uh, oh no, uh, a little, that was a little something. That was kind of, you know, a little bit of fire from Dana Brooke. I like Dana Brooke. It, it's, it's just, I like it. So let's see uh, how this uh, tag team match goes between the four of those women. An inadvertent strike from Dana Brooke to Natty is what gave Liv Morgan the opportunity to go for a victory in that tag team match. It was a, of course, like I said, a cool match. They did their thing. Ruby Riot got involved briefly, and Natty uh, stopped that real fast. But ultimately, the Riot Squad are going on to qualify for the Women's Tag Team Championship Elimination Chamber match on the WWE Network. It, you know, it, it, the story here is really the strike between Natty and uh, Dana Brooke we might be able to see a program come out of this because Dana Brooke did say she was better than Natty. But even though that didn't uh, come to fruition tonight, those two, well, Natty looked a little perplexed. 
you know, these aren't just any titles. You have the opportunity to become the first ever, you know, at something. So everyone's looking for a true opportunity. So that happened in the landscape right now for the chamber match is going to be Nia Jackson, Tamina, T well, and uh, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan. So that was that match, and I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. So let's move on to the next segment. Wait, before we do, before the match got started, we cut backstage to Mojo Rawley, and he's claiming that it's, uh, he's, time, he's, he's here to change and show, you know, but we're going to see just how soon uh, they decide to pull the trigger on him. I'm not. I'm gonna reserve uh, judgment or commentary on uh, Mojo Rawley until we see what he's uh, what he's capable of in ring this time around. He's had some time off. I'm pretty sure he's been training, and I may. I'm definitely anticipating to see what kind of story they have lined up for him. So Ronda Rousey made a women's championship open challenge to any women superstar in the back that wanted to come and try their luck at taking the championship away from her as per her uh, quoted new tradition in a woman's champion defending directly after she uh, wins or retains the championship at the pay-per-view tonight or at the event excuse me the event the night before so uh, it's a fairly difficult segment to sit through we all know that Ronda's still kind of new on the microphone so it didn't necessarily go as uh, intended. You know, so real difficult uh, idea things that are compacted into one when it comes to Ronda Rousey and, you know, her star power that she brings and, you know, being, you know, in a smarter city, I guess, in Arizona, who are looking more at the the way she's gotten the championship. So she was cutting the, her promo that was given to her, and it wasn't really working with the crowd at all. At all. So uh, the crowd were, like, you know, booing every time Ronda would uh, begin to try to speak a word or uh, shades of old old school Roman Reigns, you know. And, uh, you know, it is around WrestleMania season, so the crowds are... Uh, definitely evolving, in my opinion, in certain cities, and Arizona is clearly one of them. So, you know, Ronda got a little caught up with her words, and that's all right. It happens. You know, sometimes it it just happens. You know, have a bad night and just come out better. You know, she she talks about it a lot, so I'm pretty sure she'll uh, do just fine in the coming weeks on Monday Night Raw. Either way, Bailey comes out and tries to uh, save the segment and. It's just a, a small critique on the writing, you know, like maybe it could be, uh, you know, maybe it could come across a little bit easier for the superstars to say. And I know there's a, a younger audience, like, you know, that will buy the toys and such that are watching. So we have to think about the way these superstars are communicating. But, this, uh, you know, this gives to how hard that job is in creative. But, you know, there was a couple of things could have went better. Some would say that segment completely fell apart leading into the match. And let's just be optimistic about the next one. You know, this is a machine that we keep moving forward. So it's cool. We got Bailey versus Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Let's, get, let's see how this all plays out. So Bailey came in and 
they the story in the match was pretty much exact the detriment to Ronda Rousey's uh, claim to what it takes to be a true champion. You know, her starting this tradition of continuing to compete even after a, a an event match before well the night before is um you know it definitely showed itself this match she was she was almost exhausted at an earlier state she was still hurt from the match last night with Sasha Banks at the Royal Rumble and Bailey took advantage of this even was able to lock in the bank statement which was very adorable in my opinion I think it was one of the uh, moments of the match you know but Ronda was able to get to the ropes and ultimately locked in the armbar after like a top rope power slam suplex something you could you'd have to go back and watch on the WWE's YouTube page but that was uh, it was very cool to see how Ronda was able to transition into the armbar after the fact and then give well uh, you know Bailey taps out and picks up the uh, Ronda Rousey picks up the victory so she retains the championship but I don't know how many more times that's gonna happen so Bailey gets up and well Ronda Rousey helps Bailey up and they exchange handshakes in the ring and it was a show of respect from both even they were left-handed handshakes but I don't whatever so it was a handshake and again respect was shown but with the silence that was in the crowd it was uh completely overshadowed with Becky Lynch's music hitting and the people erupted they were clamoring for Becky the whole night. There were Becky chants during Ronda's promo earlier in the evening. And it, that was a part of the reason why things got a little difficult because the crowd was just so high on Becky Lynch and ready for her to make an appearance. But, well, was, you know, I don't think they thought she was going to make an appearance but because it's raw, she's a SmackDown superstar. But she had to make a decision. We would be, we were under the impression that she was going to make her decision on SmackDown Live from the opening segment with Triple H and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, but man, Ronda Rousey did not know what to think, and Becky Lynch comes out, the crowd is on fire, and you know the promo was literally something that I don't even want to play because it was so. It, it, you could, I'm, I want you to understand how intense it was, you know, like those two were, you could see that these guys were ready to fight, and Ronda's just not, uh, she's not warm on the microphone, but once she gets the ball rolling, and she knows exactly what she wants to say, she is something else, and we know what her intensity is, so it was some, uh, uh it, Right, right at the edge of the PG barrier, things said no, no curse words, but both of them are very ready for the match between the two at WrestleMania for the women's championship. It's gonna be a good one. It'll be 60, or well, at the time of this being recorded, about 68 days out. So let's get to it. Either way, we got Seth backstage. Let's see what he has to say. You know, Seth got a decision to make between uh, Dan well, the new Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. So while he's standing backstage, we got uh, a, a, an appearance from Braun Strowman. He uh, told him that he needs to make the right choice uh, and make it count at WrestleMania and that he earned it. So next up, we got Drew McIntyre taking on Braun Strowman. So Braun and 
Drew McIntyre have a nice match, you know. It was the power match. It was the, felt like the heavyweight bout of the evening, you know. What would be called, as far as matches go, the main event. They went, they went at it. We know Braun had a little bit of retribution uh, to go after, you know, to gain or whatever against Drew McIntyre from some months ago. That was the running story on Raw where they injured him, shattered his elbow with the steel steps. So when uh, Braun was preparing to go for the win, well, not really the win. He was going to get DQ'd, but he was going to get a form of payback. Yeah, Drew outside, Drew was down. And he went to grab the steel steps. And before he could uh, attack Drew, out of nowhere comes Baron Corbin to, uh, you know, end the match via disqualification. But, uh, yeah, they uh, begin to fight. So Braun Strowman gets uh, some offense in on both of them. But and when he went to the corner to, uh, I guess, power slam, uh, Baron Corbin onto the other steel steps. Uh, Drew McIntyre came out of nowhere, delivered a Claymore, and these guys at the very end delivered a double choke slam. Looked extremely devastating, so these guys walk out strong. I could only imagine what this little uh, pairing of convenience that Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin is uh, to bring in the coming weeks. And what Braun, um, Braun Strowman is going to have to do with that. And we all know he's been cleared for in-ring competition and such like that. But we'll see how his arm is able to continue holding up in coming episodes of Monday Night Raw. So that was cool. But now we got to get into Seth Rollins' decision. We got Daniel Bryan in the backstander with uh, Eric Rowan. And we definitely have uh, Paul Heyman uh, getting Brock Lesnar's attention. So let's see how this all plays out. So Brock Lesnar comes out. Right, because we just thought that we were going to get Seth to come on out and make the decision, but uh, Brock comes out with Paul Heyman, and Paul Heyman literally says that Seth Rollins uh, has one choice, and it's very obvious to make. You know, I, I could attempt to word it the same way Paul did, but you know, I can't speak like Paul can. He's very, very good at what he does, you know. Uh, you know, it's easy to make a choice when you don't have a lot of options, was a quote that uh, I, it, he stuck out. And the obvious choice for Seth Rollins would be De Daniel Bryan. Because going inside of Brock Lesnar's house, being WrestleMania, you know, we all know what's probably going to happen. Now, I'm not... <laughs> Look, we know we know how Brock Lesnar has been, and it's crazy because Paul Heyman can actually say these things, and they ring true. Like you know, he he did. Well, he is the one in what tw well at the time twenty one and one. You know, take his comeback since, but that one remains, and <clears throat> it's it's been Brock Lesnar. What is it two now? But. Either way, either way, we know Brock Lesnar has definitely graced the WrestleMania stage a lot. And he's had very dominant performances and very great performances at that. Now, all these things being said, after a while, Seth Rollins got annoyed and interrupted the uh, Paul Heyman segment. And when he got to the ring, he gets in Brock's face. And Brock turns and looks at the crowd or looks to Paul for a moment. And Seth punches him in the face. Now... This upset the beast, but Seth got his forms of offense in, got some kicks, went for the stomp, but 
got an F5 for his troubles. And then got another one. And then got another one. And, uh, you know, Brock throws the championship. Uh, well, he gets the championship from Paul, but drops it again and gives him another one. So what do we have to? Four? And then he, puts the, he grabs the title again and puts it down and tells Seth to take a good look at it and gives him another F5. So the fifth F5 was on the title with, right around Seth's waist area, his midsection, the abdominals. So it could be a form of epic foreshadowing for Seth to win at the Rumble, I mean, excuse me, at WrestleMania. But the way it's looking inside a storyline right now, oh no. The fans are screaming, Slay the Beast. Everyone is counting Brock Lesnar out, but we all know that there's a reason why he's the reigning, defending, undisputed, universal heavyweight champion. It's not just a cool shtick. It's it's real stuff. We all know Brock Lesnar's an animal. Like, well, excuse me, he's a beast. And all respect goes to him and his, his combat sports catalog in general. So, after that... You know, Seth Rollins is pulling himself on the ropes, and is that all you got? And that's, that's cool, very admirable by Seth, you know. He's got a lot of heart, and he's willing to go in there with the beast, but and guess what? Lesnar goes in again and delivers another F5. Now, these weren't ordinary F5s. These were those F5s. If you play WWE 2K or the other various games that WWE has, you know, there's two, well, at least from what I remember, it was two kinds of F5s. It was the normal one where he breaks you down, but then there's the one where he completely tosses you. Around the fourth through sixth F5, Seth Rollins was getting tossed. It was uh, something crazy. And Brock Lesnar looks real, real strong. So after the sixth, guess what? We go off of the air, and that is a Monday Night Raw. So, whew, what an episode. The road to WrestleMania is officially underway. It's uh, already uh, already shaping up to be an amazing show. We got great promo segments. We had a great show in general. I enjoyed it a lot. I laughed. I chuckled. The impact spots were really huge. And uh, I, I can't wait for SmackDown Live. So, with all of that being said, this is Blake. Shouts to Royal Club Wrestling. Shouts to uh, Everything Pro Wrestling. Shouts to Tom. Shouts to the Scumbags of Wrestling. Shouts to Brandon and Mike. Uh, you know, shouts to WWE for handling this. Thank you, Sasha Banks. And uh, I will catch you guys tomorrow for SmackDown Live. Like and share this. Applaud, if you will. I'll see you guys later. Peace.